Welcome to the Go Digital Jason Lowe Show, where I interview business owners and founders alike on their strategies in digital transformation and how they scale their businesses to the next level. If you are looking to grow digitally, then this is the podcast for you. Stay tuned for today's special guest as this podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. LWE is a logistics leader in the Asia-Pacific market. They specialize in complete cross-border logistics and fulfillment through establishing networks in major cities within Asia-Pacific. What intrigued me the most was that to make shipping easy, LWE provides an integrated web shipping solution, where the solution automatically produces the last mile carrier labels depending on the pre-agreed details of the shipment. This ensures that the right service labels can be printed with ease. So with me today is Eng Shen Yao, co-founder and COO of Logistics Worldwide Express, or as I will call it LWE for the rest of the show. Hi there, Shen welcome to the show, man. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've been wanting to like, interview more and more of our Alibaba cohort people for some time. A lot of things catch up. So I'm really glad that I managed to get you on board on this episode. So uh, because you do a lot of logistics, I yeah, you are definitely the first logistics company uh, partner that I'm actually talking on to the show. So I'm very, very excited to have this podcast with you to find out more about what, what does it mean, you know, to implement digital solutions when it comes to logistics and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks yeah. for the time. Thanks yep. for the ramen. It was great. <laughs> I, love, I love to share good things. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's, moving on. So uh, I wanted to know first, what was your prior experience before starting at WWE? Was it that uh, all this while you were involved in logistics ever since young or how it came to be? Or, and maybe you can share with the audience more about that. So, so when my first job was actually a software developer. Mm-hmm. So I used to work for a, you can call it a startup. It was a, it was a small company. We had about six to seven people. Uh, then just, there were just two developers. I was one of them. So at that time, we were talking about um, developing ERP systems. Uh, my ex-boss uh, was, a, was a New Zealander. I still call him my boss. Okay. Uh, he, <laughs> I also yeah. permanently call my ex-boss's boss. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Forever Boston. laughs> so, so those days, he had two solutions. One was a text consultation software. Uh, another one was a ERP system, so I was in charge of the ERP system. So that that gave me the, the head start to understand how small businesses work. Uh, those days you don't really have like uh, 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 funds easily available, and you have yep, to do yep. a pitch. So yep, uh, and at the same time, it's a it's a it's an IT company, so it gave me a lot of exposure to actually to actually uh, polish up my my development skills. So later stage, uh, one and a half years later, uh, that was when I. I was invited to, to join a local courier company uh, in which my father was one of the founding partners. I see. Um, at that time, they are talking about developing the second generation system. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was where I, 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 was, I was being asked to go in and say, okay, you come in as a learning experience, expose yourself to, to uh, logistics and courier industry. Uh, at the same time, uh, potentially looking into to understand how Korea can expand into a regional space, say Asia, or even international. So that's where I, I, I got interest in this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we, I started uh, as one of the core development team. Right, right. Um, later stage, uh, I was being put to task to actually manage the infrastructure uh, and also the entire IT department mm-hmm. before we finally founded uh, LWE in 2010. Hey, of 2010, so it's been, this is your 10th, supposedly your 10th yes, year. Yes, this is the 10th year. <laughs> one decade anniversary yes. for LW. Right, right. Going back to the point, I was, I was uh, interested when you mentioned that you're, you were kind of brought in to look 
into the second generation system. Right. So what, what does, like, in terms of like, logistics and whatnot, what does first generation and second generation system mean at that time? Like how you know, digitalized things went from the first phase to the second phase like that? I think, I think, I think being in the Korean industry mm-hmm. in the early 2000 uh, was really a time where you see a traditional business uh, trying to change really hard. Um, at that time, that company took a very bold step to actually uh, try to have a system that actually updates all the information real time. Okay. And at that time, they don't even have streamix, so <laughs> it was still running on the dial up. You know? <laughs> so, so uh, basically, they were they were running the system. Uh, they update, so they painfully update all this data through a dial up into a server. Uh, even even the servers were hosted internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I came in, that was when uh, ADSL uh, streaming services become more and more popular. Uh, I had a little bit uh, more luxury, you know, uh, having more uh, mature solutions around or other technologies uh, around. And, and this is where we actually rewrote the entire system. Um, but the challenge is always basically uh, try to, try to uh, convert the mindset of these people the importance of actually uh, following the processes to do your scannings, to do your data entry, just so that we can collect uh, useful data, uh, not just only to share with our customers, but also internally in our operations, how, how we can actually have a vet, better visibility on, on the health of our operation and the business. This is like the early 2000s, is it? Yeah, I came, I came into this industry in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so 2004 was, was, that was a time. So I spent a good three to four years just focusing on development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that time uh, was the time we, we, you see technology start to change a lot. Uh, so this is where... Because uh, it's the, the beginning of broadband, right? Yes, yes. I exactly. bet that really changes a lot of things. Yeah. From the dial-up, oh my goodness. Yeah. The dial-up days. How, how, okay, how do they even... Is internet even considered a useful thing for like logistics company at that time? Since it's dial up, it's so slow. Do they rely more on like phone calls? Is that faster? Or how, how was it then, you know? I think I think I think during the two thousand to two thousand ten, mm-hmm. uh, it was during it was very exciting times. You mm-hmm. don't even unify yeah. the streaming. <laughs> uh, we also toy around with uh, voice over IP mm, okay. uh, and that kind of stuff. So um, definitely very useful. Uh, the challenge is how stable is the infrastructure. Right. So uh, other than writing a software, you also have to understand you know, whether your network is stable enough to, to support the entire business. So we went down to, to even talk to telco guys and uh, see how, how they can help us in order for our, our solution to run very smoothly in the, in the network of 300 over branches in Malaysia. Yeah. Then, uh, so I know you mentioned that you came from a software engineering background. Right. So in this sense, because you actually literally studied IT, <laughs> you yeah. understand how softwares are made, right. how, how is technology being constructed or engineered so when you come into like uh, when you try to implement this kind of digital solution to it did you felt that it was easier for you to understand what's going on or do you still have to learn a lot of things from scratch because each industry has very different methods of implementing technology i think i think university teachers teaches you how to how to give you a head start uh, but as far as work is concerned they give me a very good certificate for me to find a job uh, but of course, in any job that we go to, uh, the fundamentals are there, uh, especially in computer science. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can apply it easily, uh, the thought process. Um, definitely, there's a lot of things to learn. Uh, first thing first is, if you are just a pure IT guy uh, with limited experience and you are not familiar with the industry, uh, Korea is not an industry where, or rather logistics is not an industry where, where uh, you have a lot of standards. It's not like accounting. 
So different courier company, they, they may have similar processes, but they may differ in many places as well. Mm. So the, the, the minute, I mean, the little details uh, in, 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 in any courier company uh, sometimes can be the secret why they are doing so well. Mm. So you have to get your hands really dirty. Yep. Uh, you have to find ways to communicate with the users. Mm. Uh, users. Most of our users are basically the operations people in the warehouse or, or doing the delivery. Uh, you have to establish that channel to actually mm-hmm. go to their level, try to find easy and smart ways to ask them questions, get them to try in order to get the feedback. Right. So you, you must have a holistic view of the entire business, not just operations, but also your customer service, your IT, your client solutions, how the entire chain works uh, and how you are actually helping the business to facilitate better. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's basically the fundamental role of any technology in any business. Mm, yeah. True. Uh, a very common issue that I know I consult a lot of clients and radio clients and most of them are not from the IT background or they don't have like computer science degree so they always have like very very unrealistic expectations of how things work then they just think that they get a team all from computer science background and the team will figure out the digital transformation process from the retail only have things to keep falling out it doesn't connect so that was a very good piece of advice that you gave earlier on when you mentioned about you know you so what if i learn it so what if i learn i need to go understand get my hands dirty so i think like the advice i can tell to listeners out there that is attempting to go through the digital transformation process it's not that you hire a bunch of it people things will work if they they are not willing to go through understanding your business properly and you as a boss like you say communication you don't communicate find things up properly shake and one no things will break they can't develop things for you and things will be very slow like you say it you develop things this whole project for like about three to four years you know then right. we see things happening and of course maybe at that time to have unify like everything yep. but the, the the process the length is still there right. everyone has to be realistic on, on what digital implementation means right. and somehow when, when you were doing it i bet every year new things come out right new technology yes. come out change yeah. you need to learn new things again yeah. Yeah. so that would be like the, the constant challenge so moving back to lwe when you came back to lwe was it immediately in that sort of uh, you copy pasted the technology or was it wow there's new things to do again you got to implement more digital things into lwe or how was it at that time i think i think where, where i came from working for the previous company uh, it's very thankful that I, it gave me a very good foundation in the business uh, we we went through very, in very detailed processes for for a local delivery company. Mm. Uh, we we did some international uh, 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 logistics as well, but um, I think where we came in LW was a very different game. Uh, I was not in a position where we have thousands of workers working for us. Uh, we don't have few hundred branches. Uh, you can consider us as a startup in yeah, 2010. Practically a startup, yeah. So we started with 10 people. Uh, we were trying to, uh, we, we jumped right into Hong Kong. A lot of people were surprised why, why you start your base in Hong Kong, so expensive mm-hmm. uh, and so expensive to hire people. But if you are talking about B2C or rather e commerce deliveries, mm-hmm. uh, and you're talking about cross border or in layman terms, we call it international deliveries, right. uh, at that time, to serve this market, you can only do it in China. Okay. So I, we have to find a way to say that, hey, I can serve you in many different countries, but how to do that? Uh, so this is where we put in the first six months a lot of time to actually develop a solution uh, to integrate with different uh, large small companies in different countries. So uh, the challenge was understanding the different custom clearance procedures for every country at the same time 
uh, understanding the operations in the last mile delivery for different partners that we have. Mm. Uh, try to use the shortest time to actually to, to actually put a solutions together. Mm. Um, so in that sense, that's one of the biggest difference compared to what I used to do. Mm. Uh, basically, you really need your tech to be up you, before you can serve any customers. Correct, correct. So there was a time where we spent a lot of uh, time understanding uh, how to get the shipping label generated in the fastest time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the shipping data that is given to different uh, last mile companies, the requirements were very strict. Mm. Uh, so that was actually one of the biggest learning experience I had learning from Western countries, uh, partners in Western continents uh, to, to, to help us to build a very strong solution for, for what we have today. Yeah. All right. So, so from that, from like Hong Kong and all, then the, did you like come back to Malaysia to expand the business after that, or yeah. it was go moving to other countries? So I'll tell, I'll tell you a joke. So <laughs> uh, early days when we were in Hong Kong, a lot of people were surprised. Uh, uh, when when we talk about cross border B two C or e commerce deliveries, uh, at that time the most of the ch- the customers that we have they were all using eBay to sell to Europe or America. Yeah, in the early to ten, 2010s, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was a there was a local courier companies. Uh, uh, Boss actually said, oh, "I don't understand why why you want to do e-commerce delivery. It's actually a post office business." <laughs> so uh, it is true. At the time in Malaysia, it, it's not possible to to do delivery for for e-commerce, especially to send to residential houses. Uh, the cost structure, the infrastructure for courier company to run this is very different at that mm-hmm. time. And of course, the technology requirement uh, is a lot higher. You need to be a lot more flexible and nimble. Um, so the good. Five years where we were in China and Hong Kong serving customers to, to, to Western markets uh, gave us a very good foundation again. So, so we built a stronger foundation when we came into came back to Malaysia uh, to actually started serving um, local marketplaces uh, or rather the Southeast Asian marketplaces to help them to deliver into Southeast Asian countries. Yeah. So uh, that allows us, I mean, in terms of custom clearance, in terms of the delivery, you have to understand the processes differently. But as far as tech is concerned, uh, we are very happy that, you know, uh, what we had, we are able to extend even further to do it for Southeast Asia. Mm. Right. Uh, thank, thanks for sharing yeah. that. You know, that, that. It's interesting to see how we actually immediately cross-border through technology to make sure like, you know, everything needs to work in place because it's logistics. Right? You can't have your system in the wrong label, everything shipped wrongly then all hell will just break loose and whatnot. So we've come to the mid, mid part of the show so we're taking a short break. Uh, coming right back I'll talk more with Shen Yao on how LW is moving forward towards the future. Coming right back. Are you a business that relies heavily on a logistics partner to get your goods shipped all across Asia? Or are you looking for support in exporting your goods into new markets? Well, Logistics Worldwide Express or LWE has a wide network of presence all across Asia where they specialize in end-to-end cross-border solutions and logistics fulfillment. So do check them out today at www.lwe.asia That is www.lwe, three letters, .asia and get your goods moving today.
Welcome back guys, you are tuning to the Go Digital with Jason Lowe show and for today's episode, I have Shen Yao of LWE Today, a logistics company that has been exporting moving cross-border logistics, all kinds, all-in-one solutions across Southeast Asia with me today to talk about all the all kinds of you know, various digital implementations that the company has been implementing for the past 10 years or so. This year, they are indeed celebrating the 10th year anniversary. So I would like to congratulate you for that first. What, what, what date would it be? What month is that during the tenth year? Actually, do you remember? It would be July, early July. Yeah. <laughs> That's not too yeah. long. Yeah, four, four more months to go, yeah. and you're at July already and whatnot, yeah. right? So uh, early on in the in the show, uh, Shenyao was sharing was sharing me about his past experience. You know what have he done in his previous uh, company, and how with like a computer science degree in college, he's able to you know plan better understand more on what it means to implement digital solutions and he was telling me about the early days of LWE how they immediately went overseas trying to like fulfill the overseas market and coming back to Malaysia and all that yeah, a lot of information, a lot of stories there so looking forward, you know, this year we're in Wawasan 2020 and all uh, do you see like a big change in the, I'm assuming this is the start of the next 10 years yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it that way yeah. the start of the next 10 years are you looking at a very big change across the world or in Malaysia or what's your take or insights within this industry I think I think we, we have been we have been uh, uh, promoting cross-border uh, e-commerce uh, mm-hmm. and share with a lot of our clients and our friends around us for, for a long time um, since 2014 or 2015 so we, we actually start, we started actually to have more presence in Malaysia since 2014 um, at that time we were mainly in, in China and Hong Kong so I think, I think it has come to a time where many friends are also asking, uh, even some of our partners in Indonesia, uh, marketplaces are asking, they're keen to look more seriously into cross-border. Um, the, the, market, the market over here in this region, definitely uh, we are having more and more solutions provided. Uh, marketplaces also play a very big part uh, in trying to promote cross-border uh, exports and imports. Uh, so I, I definitely feel that this, is, this ecosystem is getting more mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, we are looking at having how, how we can help SME or, or Malaysians to actually find an easier solution uh, to say export their products into into Thailand or into Indonesia. You know, these these are two of the few uh, countries in Southeast Asia which has tremendous growth in 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 terms of uh, uh, the e-commerce retail. Yeah. So, is it safe to say that um, it, because of e-commerce, you know, the, yeah. the boom of e-commerce, uh, a lot of like. In, in your industry, a lot of businesses actually going up in terms of the order deliveries or is it, do you think like Malaysia is like having difficulty to manage this kind of boom? Like, do you consider e-commerce to just come in suddenly in this sense or was it like very slowly, progressively going on and everyone could get ready for it? I think, I think, I think, I think Malaysia, the, the first country in the country, mm-hmm. uh, Malaysia definitely we have been experiencing uh, uh, e-commerce, uh, trusting the, the ecosystem more and more, uh, basically Starting started from buying digital products like air tickets, you know, yeah, yeah, buying discount coupons. Yeah, Asia started coupons from coupons, yeah, yeah, coupons yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that and with a very strong online banking ecosystem, uh, then we have like Lazada, Shopee, Eleventh uh, Street, mm-hmm. uh, our 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 one our Malaysian platform Leilong yep. those days. Um, Malaysian in general, especially those in our generation, definitely experienced that already. So mm-hmm. trust is there. So the question here is. Uh, where can I buy more products uh, and where can I buy cheaper products and where can I buy uh, products that cannot be found in our, our region mm-hmm. so from e-commerce sellers basically is okay I'm selling in Malaysia uh, right now where else can I go to 
and how do I go there? You know, in Malaysia, it's easy to sell locally, but to go export, uh, which are the marketplaces that are actively helping Malaysians to, to sell into other countries and which country you're talking about. Uh, traditionally, you talk about uh, e-commerce export. Uh, eBay has always been uh, a very prominent player in Malaysia, especially for the auto parts player to help them to export into Europe and Australia and America. But you don't hear much about uh, how we can go to our neighboring countries like Indonesia or Thailand. Uh, recently, we hear uh, you know, Alibaba, uh, JD also uh, trying to work with partners over here to help products to be sold in, into China, mm -hmm. yeah, which can be very complicated if you don't have the right people to help you. So um, I, I certainly think that, that more and more people want to do this. Uh, and we are also having partners from, from the Western countries uh, actively looking into Southeast Asia, uh, how to bring more quality products, uh, established brands from their region mm -hmm. uh, into Southeast Asia for the local consumers. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you talk about cross-border right. and uh, I get this question a lot actually from like my clients and other pe or people from LinkedIn or stuff like that. they'll ask me uh, so what's, what's to them what's the dif true difference between like export and cross-border they will do not they, until today a lot of people still have like misconceptions about it they thought a lot of them thought it's the same thing as well. Oh, it's cross-border like export, but actually it's two very different things. I would like to hear like from your opinion, like what, what should a business actually look in actually? Do you think they should try and export their things to a warehouse in an overseas country or do you think like cross-border is the future and way to go for these businesses? So cross-border basically is bringing your goods from one country to another. Yep. Bringing from one, uh, one border you know, to another border. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes the border basically means from, from, from one airport to another airport. <laughs> so uh, cross-border definitely there are two ways it's either you bring it in or you bring it out or you bring in you're, you're selling in Malaysia but you can bring from say China to Singapore so that basically is selling cross-border as well so, so, so the question here is uh, how do we do that do we actually uh, sell our products by sending them in bulk and put into uh, a different warehouse in, in that country say for example Indonesia or China uh, and then I will get local players to, to do the warehouse fulfillment and do the delivery. That's one way, but mm -hmm. uh, that way basically means you, you have a lot of uh, sunging costs. You have to put in a lot of stock over there yep. to, to get it going. So uh, another way basically is uh, you just sell item by item, say send from Malaysia into Indonesia, or say for example, if your goods are sub, uh, uh, sourced from China, uh, you can get partner like us uh, to actually receive the, the goods in bulk for you. We do the warehousing fulfillment for you. You can engage uh, marketplaces in Indonesia and list the product will sell and we ship it directly from China into Indonesia for you. So that saves you time. Uh, that saves you the, the, the problem to hire people to do the warehousing for you. So uh, when you see certain products having a lot of growth, this is where you can plan, hey, maybe I can buy in bulk and, and import them into the market. And then I will save a bit more cost and provide better service to deliver. Mm. Yeah. So earlier on, uh, I mentioned the show that you know we actually went to Alibaba together, yes. and they did. Um, mm. it was last, was last year April. Yes. You no, know, that's two, yes. two more months later. It'll be what one, one year. year since yeah, we're there. Exactly. But I still feel like the experience and meeting you guys is still very fresh it in is. my mind and everything. Yeah. So they literally like uh, opened up on how they do logistics in China. You know all of the high tech automation stuff and whatnot. So I think a lot of people have seen uh, videos about, you know, just go to YouTube, type Alibaba Logistics or what they call Cai Niao, Cai Niao Logistics. Then you see all kinds of 
the transformative solutions happening over there. However, when uh, when I was talking to you guys and talking to the other players in the industry, I was sharing them and but most of the feedback is more to like Malaysia is not too ready to get that kind of technology yet. But what, what's your take on it moving forward? Is Malaysia actually slowly moving towards there? Or do you think that uh, the ecosystem is so different? Like how China and Alibaba does it there, Malaysia has to find its own way or, or how? I think, I think I think early days when we were when we started this business, we the way we were integrating with uh, all the different last mile companies in twenty seven countries in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, we own zero vehicles and we deliver all the parcels to different corner in Europe. Right. Uh, essentially, that thing that we were doing is similar to what what China is doing in China when they mm-hmm. first started. So China China basically provided a platform. They work with. Um, few of the biggest established uh, local delivery companies uh, by putting the resources together and help them to unify their services into one platform and offer them to, to sellers on Alibaba uh, uh, platforms. So, of course, uh, as year goes, uh, China will try to evolve in different ways, but the, the ambition and the, the purpose is always how to actually have different working partners and put their resources together and using technology uh, to try to aggregate you know, make them more efficient. Uh, at the same time, make it easy for 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 the consumers or rather the the e-commerce businesses to to use. So I think Malaysia definitely we we have a lot of different courier companies, mm-hmm. uh, logistic companies per se. Um, we, but it's somewhat quite fragmented as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to see how uh, different players can come in together to to cooperate. Uh, and we always see ourselves. Uh, as a company that that do not look to compete uh, with different logistic companies, but try to find ways to complement. So uh, that's why um, to us is we definitely can see how to put the solutions or the services from different courier companies uh, together, uh, and we can offer to the the customers that we serve. Mm. Yeah. So if you have a way to actually share resources, leverage on each other. Rather than having duplicate resources in every town and cities, mm, right. uh, definitely, definitely, uh, that that will be a way for 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 companies, logistic players, and and to 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 be more efficient, and that in turn drive costs down, uh, help you to save time, and that will benefit the the consumers a lot more. So, yeah. so theoretically, <laughs> we know that is the way to move forward. Yeah. But do you see like Malaysia also? doing this kind of consolidated info sharing methods in the upcoming years? Are, are the players around here, including you guys, like moving towards that direction? We are definitely doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, all, we are always searching for like-minded uh, partners to work with. Right, right. Um, there are some like logistics startup companies that, that has engaged us and talked to us. And we open up and say, hey, these are the resources that I can share with you. But in turn, uh, I would like you to help me in other areas. Uh, you'll be surprised in different towns and cities, uh, even though Malaysia is not big, there are always companies where they also find it difficult to extend their resources um, to other towns or other cities. Um, but why, why would you want to compete, right? Um, there's so little time for a lot of companies to grow and catch up. Um, by focusing on a win-win situation to, to collaborate, I think, I think that basically uh, makes us grow faster. Uh, and in terms of resource sharing, uh, we, can, we can utilize what we have a lot better. Yeah. yeah, the point of collaboration, I mean, yeah. to me, it's totally spot on. Yeah. We can't always try to do everything ourselves, you know. Yeah. Like some of my clients, they always like to weigh, do I put that much money to do everything ourselves? They got to hire a whole team. Whereas you have a lot of like ready-made solutions or partners out there that 
are ready to actually support immediately, you know, pump up your business, give more value, and then things can get start moving uh, ASAP. So that's that's this very big difference between you try to implement something in corporates and you try to implement something in SMEs and, and whatnot. So upcoming, I've seen on the news recently that you guys are starting your own uh, ECF campaign. Right. So ECF stands for Equity Crop. Funding, funding correct yep. yeah yeah you're, you're working with my starter on it yep. yeah uh so you guys are actually raising some funds for future future developments for your group would right. you like to maybe share a bit more about it to the audience probably yeah so so uh we have been running business for 10 years uh we have uh, been self-funded for for these 10 years uh, and came a time where we thought we want to grow even faster so the the time has changed where we want to actually realize what we want we wanted to do a lot faster and definitely this is where uh, we are raising funds to mm-hmm. do this. Um, ECF is actually one of the initiatives uh, actually uh, that we looked into, also being proposed by the founder of MyStarter. Right. Uh, we see it as a way to actually have an independent platform to, to share with our friends and families. So in the last 10 years, we have friends, family, clients uh, who has helped us. Mm-hmm. We want to use this as an opportunity for them to come in as a mid-sized to small-sized investor to be part of this journey. So by, by, by becoming our shareholder, uh, they also enjoy certain premium from us, uh, not just having an equity, but also in terms of uh, 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 services. Then this is where um, we hope in turn they will be basically be our, our ambassador, be our advisor. Mm-hmm. As a client, how do you find us uh, growing? Um, then uh, help us to actually promote uh, what we do in, in the market as well. Yeah, yeah. that's one that's of the few benefits you know when you go to ECF as compared to like traditional investors and VCs and things like that so alright so I'll put the disc- uh, the link down below on their campaign if uh, any listeners out there are interested to check out WE and interested to check out uh, the, their MyStarter campaign and what they're up to I'll put the link down in the description below please go check them out so yeah thanks Shen Yao for the sharings that you've done for the past half an hour we've come to the end of the show uh, I think I've learned a bit more about the logistics industry per se and like what kind of digital things have been going on and all. so hopefully you know things will be more consolidated people are more open Open to sharing, yes. everyone can have a win-win situation because we as consumers are also looking for that kind of win-win situation. Definitely. Right? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, so thank you, Shen Yao. Uh, so tune in to the next episode. This has been the Go Digital Show with Jason Lowe. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Production by Rainworks Studio with my friend Chintat, music by Ofnil Naga and yours truly. Enjoyed this episode? Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform for more. This was Go Digital with Jason Lowe.